Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Your host, Jesse Jameson, has a real treat for you. You are about to hear a great story. And if Jesse brings his A game, some good commentary too. And later on, we'll let you know how you can join Jesse as a guest. Now, without further ado, here's Jesse. Hey, welcome to another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. Today's friend is George from Phoenix, and his story is the football bully. George, thank you for uh, coming on Jesse Jameson and Friends. The floor is yours. Thanks, Jesse. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I've played football since I was six years old. Um, absolutely fell in love with it. My dad was a coach. He played it himself and it got into a car accident, so he couldn't play anymore. So he kind of lived vicariously through me, even at a very young age. Uh, I was not a very aggressive kid. Uh, I actually got pushed around quite a bit, but, uh, you know, persevered, kept playing, kept trying to learn. And basically, whatever I did, I would get coached by my coach, and then I'd go home and I'd listen to my dad tell me all the other things that I, I could have done or should have done. And it was always very, like, you should have hit that kid instead of went for the ball, you know? <laughs> Because uh, then he'll never forget about it, and he won't uh, he won't want to catch it next time. And so that was the mentality that was instilled in me for a very long time. The problem is, I was tiny, you know. I was I was always one of the smaller kids, and couldn't pay attention to saving. Oh, sorry, I don't know what that's about. But so anyway, uh, you know, I played my eight eight year old is when I played my first set of tackle football and barely ever got on the field was just tiny. And, and actually my coach never said my name, right. So he would always say Lyman. And I thought he was talking about all the linemen. And so he thought I was just a complete space case because I would never answer my name. And <laughs> so I didn't get to do much. I basically, he put me in there uh, for the other kids to just hit on, you know, over and over again. If there was uh, you know, some of our star players, were, were getting aggressive or just got their butts handed to him, he'd put them against me so they could get confidence again. Uh, always. There. That sounds so horrible, doesn't it? Like, hey, let's get you some confidence. Hey, can you bring Lyman over here? Um, George, I always thought you just pronounced it Lamone to, like, you know, score points with the chicks because it sounds sexier than Lyman. So yeah, you got to French it up, you know. <laughs> please continue. <laughs> you got it. So, yeah, I, I went made it through that year. Uh, the very next year I played, we actually had one of the, the best teams that, you know, you could have in the state. There were no state championship games back then for Pop Warner, but I actually had uh, a, a guy by the name of Mike Nixon as our quarterback. He was a Sunny Slope superstar and then went on to pro baseball and then eventually played linebacker at ASU. Uh, basically, our playbook was Nixon left and Nixon right. And, uh, you know, I, I really got to go against him. And that was a lot of fun to just be in awe of someone on your team. You know, it was the first time that anybody was, was better than just take the ball and, and run with it. It was he just punt, pass and kick champion. The guy was incredible. Um, I started to get some more plays in. And actually, we got to go to California and California, their weight limits are different than ours. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, we, we show up and we were undefeated and so was this California team. So they were gracious hosts 
that was the first time I actually saw uh, Mighty Ducks was on VHS at my host house. I was really pumped about it. And, and uh, the kid that I stayed with was just a, a, a kid like me. You know, he was just there to have fun. Didn't really know better. And I remember seeing him on the field. And all I could hear was my dad saying, like, don't ever miss a chance to hit him. And so <laughs> that, I saw him come in. It was a punt. George, were they like, when you say this and, and your dad's telling you to hit them, okay, so let me get an understanding. You're staying with a host family in the name of Unity for Pop Warner, California and Arizona, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, you're literally befriending the guy that you're going to be creaming, uh, at least based on what your dad would like yeah. to see. So uh, this ought to be interesting. Yeah. Please continue. So I, uh, the, the kid's name was Andrew. He was a real nice kid. And I was on a punt and uh, punt return and we were running around and I saw him and he was just kind of, you know, you, you kind of in pop Warner, you throw the goofy kids on special teams to get their plays in. And so I just saw him kind of running out and I just kept hearing that over and over in my head. And I just, I could, I didn't need to block him. It wasn't necessarily part of the play, but it wasn't, you know, illegal or anything, but I just hit him right square in the chest with my shoulder. And it was the first time I had ever heard, like a whimper from someone after I did something to him and he just whimpered and kind of buckled over and I thought I would feel bad about it, but I didn't. <laughs> I was just like, you know, that was, that felt great. That was amazing. And it, it was one of those things. Birth of a psychopath. I always knew you were a jerk lineman. Please continue. <laughs> yeah. The nice guy facade is just that, you know, it's just, <laughs> Um, so I hit this kid and I, he stayed on the ground for a little bit, knocked the wind out of him. And, you know, we all take a knee in Pop Warner as, as they get the kid up and you clap him off. And, um, I was just kind of in the zone. I didn't clap. I didn't take a knee. I was just like, you know, just full of just this like energy and loved it. And then we got in the car on the way home. Cause we beat this team. It was like 26 to, to six and, uh, they were just not happy. It, you know, we still had to stay with this family for one more night. And <laughs> so I uh, I saw the kid and I said, hey, Andrew, you know, that was a good game. And he <laughs> said, why did you hit me? <laughs> and, yeah, he's like, get out of my room, George. Go stay in the freaking garage. White mop, dad, help me. Oh, my God. So you said that you enjoyed it. It gave you a little bit of energy. At this point, was there an addiction to that enjoyment? You know, was that kind of the first taste of the chocolate bar and you kind of wanted to experience that again? Or I'd imagine some fun stuff happened at the house. Was the mom and dad kind of eyeballing you? Yeah, funny? yeah. So that was the, the first kind of that opened the door for me. It was the, the gateway to, you know, being super aggressive uh, in sports. It was interesting because that night, we didn't get to sleep in the rooms. We had to sleep out in the living room. And um, the previous night for dinner, we had ordered pizza. And I was like, ah, I don't like pineapples. And so this night they ordered pizza again. And there was pineapples all over that pizza. Uh, it was the most passive aggressive <laughs> thing I've ever I could, seen. I, I could picture the mom saying, we're going to order a pizza. And the dad saying, you put pineapples on that mf -er. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was like, you know, I could tell right away what that was about, but they never said anything to me. They just, you know, kept it subtle. 
and uh, the whole ride home. George, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just thought about something. You don't like pineapples on your pizza? You look like the type of guy that wouldn't be picky. I love pineapples on my pizza, um, but I used to like to be difficult, and I don't know why. Just always, you know, like, oh, I don't like this. Or I, I remember as a kid telling people I was allergic to dust, and I would say, so if your house is messy, you'll know by hearing me sneeze, and then I'd, like, sneeze on purpose and just kind of a little, you know, craphead, so... <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we, you know, we took the bus home and I remember that was the first game that my dad didn't watch because he had his team that he coached playing elsewhere. And, uh, so I just remember like telling him on the phone, uh, that, Hey, I hit this kid really hard and it was awesome. And he just kind of, you know, like, you know, you can hear your dad nodding on the phone. So, but, I, I was just going to say he's nodding in his head thinking, that's my boy, <laughs> trained killer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, I, take it, I take it your dad was always one of these types that you love so much that you wanted to impress. He was the one that you'd be like, Dad, watch this cannon, you know, cannonball or, <laughs> or whatever oh, yeah, you're doing. Yeah, always had to, to get the approval there, especially with football. Um, he was just such a, a wealth of knowledge. And, you know, it was just. I, I had to look up to him because, I mean, he was winning, you know, conference championships as, as a coach, and he eventually went to two straight state championships when they reinstated him. He won one and lost one. Uh, so it was a lot of, you know, uh, pressure to be his son. Everyone knew, you know, knew me and then knew how great he was when he played. And so it was interesting. And I remember I got back home. That was our last game of that year. And the following year uh, – I finally grew a little and was really, you know, riding high on that aggression and started to really get noticed for, for how hard I would hit. And I just, it was reckless abandon. I had no concern for my body whatsoever. I was throwing myself at you as hard as I could. Um, and so we started to do tackle drills that year and I was just smoking everyone, just hitting them as hard as possible. Well, there was a new kid on the team that I didn't really know very well. And at the time, they were just crushing everybody in every single drill. And I have, I'm not a man that's afraid of much. I, I'm always willing to just do whatever. I was trading places in line so I didn't have to go against this person. Because that's how hard and mean and nasty they were. You know, sometimes you're 12 years old, right? You're 13, how old are you at this time? At this time, I was 12. Yeah, and what's really weird, have you ever heard of Cody Paul? No. Okay, so if you YouTube Cody Paul, he's a kid that he like never really made it at the college level, and I don't even think he was that great at the high school level, but at the Pop Warner Pee Wee level, he was kind of like John Elway. So if you ever just YouTube Cody, Cody Paul, if you're uh, listening to the show and George, I urge you to do it as well. But the reason that he was so great is because everyone at age 12 was like, you know, pre puberty. And he was like, you know, he already had a beard and a mustache <laughs> and he was dominating. Was that this situation? Was this a 12 year old that was built like a 15 year old? Or was this just a kid that just did his push ups? What was his secret? So the, the interesting part about it was after a while, I started to notice that 
their their kind of noise and their screaming and stuff was a little different than everybody else's on the team. And, uh, you know, we always showed up for practice ready to practice. You know, we didn't take off our, our gear or anything. It was uh, the day before, it was the day of our first game and we were all in weigh-ins and, you know, in, in Pop Warner, you got to show that you're wearing a jock strap. So they, you actually like pull your, you know, your pants out just so they can see that. And um, this player had to go separately around the corner to do it. And walking back, I realized it was a, it was a girl. And she was, uh, I still remember her name was Kelly. And she was the meanest, most aggressive, hardest hitting person I've ever played against. You know, I just did an interview with a friend named Denisha. And that show is going to be uh, airing this Sunday. She gave me an interesting twist. And it's, it's really hard for people to uh, give a twist, you know, that really shocks me. You just shocked me with a hell of a twist. So you're telling me that the toughest football player you meet at this point in your life, you find out is a female. Oh yeah. Yeah. That is crazy. Please continue. You have like three minutes. Go for it. This is awesome. So we, uh, we came and we went, you know, to, to dominate. She played really, really well. And I remember that you couldn't, you, you know, you're not allowed to hit your own quarterback in practice. You just don't do it. And she would never let up. She'd always hit him. Um, just taking him down over and over again. We ended up playing really, really well that season. And uh, the next year I decided to stay down a level because I was still kind of small. I asked about her and uh, she actually could no longer fit shoulder pads on uh, because, you know, at that age for, for women, they're, they're starting to develop. So she had to give up football and she became a cheerleader instead, which was really interesting. She ended up actually marrying the quarterback, Mike Nixon. Um, the toughest dude on the team is the cheerleader. Mm-hmm. That is so, I was just going to say good for Nixon. I was starting to fall in love with the whole idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, in the little giants, um, Icebox had nothing on Kelly, like at all. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we, we decided to stay down. I was more than happy to no longer have to go against her ever. And that year that I stayed down, I was, uh, I was now 13 and was just unbelievably free uh, to play against people my size, finally. You know, I was always kind of on that small end, but now I stayed down a year as one of the older kids instead of one of the younger. And it became this thing where I, I would genuinely get furious that you even showed up to play against me. Your aggression at this point in your life seems so unnormal to me because, you know, at 13, I'm like, hi, mom, hi, dad. You know, I'm a nice boy, right? I I did play Pop Warner at this time, but I played quarterback. So maybe I was thinking about (laughs) avoiding guys like you. Um, but, But the aggression at this age seems really striking to me. Um, it, and, and also your decision to stay at the lower peewee level rather than the junior midget level or whatever Pop Warner was going by at that time, that reminds me of kind of these MMA fighters a little bit where they'll say, hey, for whatever reason, I can't handle heavyweight, but I dominate light heavyweight. Were you and your dad going over these strategies or is this something you came up with on your own or maybe with siblings? Because it seems strategic. You have a minute. Take us to the break. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My uh, my dad really 
decided that it was better for me. He wanted to give me a year where I could actually play, you know, like be a regular starter and get that experience, just being a football player, not, you know, sitting on the sidelines. And I, I don't even think he anticipated the, the jump that I would take that year. Um, and it's, it's strange, you know, it's, it's a level of aggression and kind of arrogance that I never in my life have had in any other setting. It's only ever been on the football field. And it was like the second I, I stepped in line to weigh in, I'd already start telling the, the kids on the other team, you know, because we would scout and we'd, we'd know like, hey, number 12, you got to watch out for 12. So I'd get in their head in line. Hey, 12, you know, I love you. I can't wait to see you. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back again with George. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand Internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. When it comes to financial planning, most of us would probably rather have a root canal. Math, budgets, keeping ourselves and our loved ones secure after retirement, planning for retirement, risk, reward, and the like. How do you find the answers you need? Tune into Fiscal Fitness with John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina. They'll help you feel more secure in your investments and your future. Listen every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear, and listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you tired of feeling disconnected and shut down? Since every choice has ripple effects, lasting happiness is a product of the choices we make each day. Tune in to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmsted introduced you to authors, musicians, artists, and innovators, all actively engaged in designing a world that works for everyone. Make sure you're along for the ride, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? 
It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Welcome back to the place where you got a friend. Jesse Jameson and Friends. Today's guest is George. George, you're just reaching to the point where you're starting to dominate in, in your sport, which in this case is tackle football. You're 13, 14 years old. You just told us a humdinger that there was a girl that actually toughened you up because she scared the bejeebas out of you. Go ahead and give us an idea of uh, where the story takes off from here. Yeah, no, thanks, Jesse. Uh, So we, you know, we had a a pretty phenomenal team that first year. And you're right, it was junior midget. Um, And so we had a, a tremendous setup and I basically got to play middle linebacker. And my coach was so confident in me that we could put seven people up on the front of the line and play more like a seven, one instead of a six, two. So seven down linemen. And then just me flying all over the place. I got to call my own blitzes. I got to do whatever. So I would, uh, I would sit there with my coach and I'd watch film and I'd get ready for these games. And uh, we'd, we'd sit there and I'd say, Hey, 12, you know, uh, I know you're going to hand it off on this play right over here. I'm just going to go stand right here. And uh, you'd see the kid look around all confused. And <laughs> and I would just go in there and make sure I, I hit him hard every single time. My goal was to literally knock the snot out of you. Because I saw it happen a couple of times. Once I knew I was capable of doing that, that was exactly what I wanted to do to you. I kind of asked you during the commercial break, you know, we have a lot of uh, players that we idolize on TV that are dealing with like concussion issues, CTE and what have you. Did you ever see stars? Were you hitting with your head uh, and helmet to the side like you are supposed to, or were you hitting it kind of ramming in where you could have caused neck injury to yourself? You know, um, having a dad as a coach and just being hammered over and over again about form, Uh, I had really good form. I would always put the head off to the side. I'd put my shoulder, shoulder pad right into you. You know, uh, head always goes in front, the direction the runner's going. So that way they can't really run through my neck. I'm going to go down with them. Uh, So it was, you know, it was always a very clean thing. And I want to make sure that that's, that's clear as, as aggressive as I was and as angry as I was that you were on the field with me, I still was only going to do that stuff from whistle to whistle. Uh, so I remember uh, we, we were getting play, ready to play a team called the Redskins and uh, they had a superstar and he was basically their whole team. And my coach was like, I will do anything if you take that kid out. And I'm like, I'm not going to do anything dirty. And he's like, no, just be you and hit him. And so another punt return, this kid is just kind of jogging down the field. And I saw him, lined him up, squared him up, and just put it right on his chest and broke his collarbone. Uh, I, I still remember the sound, the feeling, and him just immediately crying. And uh, I felt, you know, I felt sad. But you, okay. know, you know what's interesting? When you're a little kid, you can't really tell this if you're just watching uh, TV because they don't have the mics close down like they used to. But there used to be a clacking that shoulder pads would make right during a collision. I have a feeling you're describing something where there was a heck of a clack because the kid ended up breaking his collarbone, which I've heard is a really painful injury. Have you heard that too? I've heard it's a really painful injury. (laughs) 
Yeah, it, it's kind of funny. Uh, all the years that I played football, um, I actually broke my collarbone to, in a flag football game as an adult. Uh, so never got uh, anything like that, but it was one of the worst pains ever. It, you know, it actually broke outward and it was just not fun. So yeah, I, I love the sound of shoulder pads hitting. Just absolutely loved it and um, couldn't get that sound enough, you know. And so I, I genuinely, going back to this kid, I took him out and I took the knee, clapped him off when the, the ambulance came and we ended up winning that game handily. But it was like, for me, it always just felt so forced, you know. I loved kids, and I was always taking care of kids outside of, of the games, but I didn't want to clap for you. You were my enemy at that time, you know, and, like, you're going to be fine. But I love NFL football so much. I always have. But there is one stark difference. The athletes might be more fast and more athletic, sure, because through time you're going to get faster, bigger, and, and stronger athletes, right? But do you remember back when we were little and like Dexter Manley, Lawrence Taylor types, um, Mike Singletary, they would literally say to the cameras before the game, we're going to get the quarterback. We're going to take him out of the game, which was their nice way of saying we're going to injure him. And they yeah. didn't necessarily mean they were going to injure him in a horrible way, but they were out to get you. And nowadays it's like you touch the quarterback, you're going to get a 15 yard penalty. So they're trying to take that part out of the game. But that was kind of the ice hockey part of the game that, that I miss. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what I modeled myself after was just these, like, I actually modeled myself after, like, the John Lynches and the, um, you know, just angry safeties that could go around and just fly around and hit you no matter what. Uh, so that was what I tried to do all the time. I remember it was uh, – it was our conference championship game and we were, you know, getting ready. It was my last Pop Warner game of my life before I head to freshman year. And I was just hitting kids left and right, just absolutely smashing them. Uh, we went through two running backs on the other team, uh, just didn't want to run the ball anymore, didn't want to touch it because we just kept hitting them. And we ended up getting an interception and we're running it back. And two of the toughest kids on my team, I'd say, were, were leading that way. And there was this, this little guy, probably, I don't know, maybe a year younger than me. And I see him knock down the first two people. He's not even going for the guy with the ball. He just knocks down the first two guys on my team that gets to him. And I remember thinking, like, finally, someone that wants to bang, you know, like, let's do this. And I went at this kid, and I had a good run and start, full speed. And this kid put me right on my ass. Just unbelievably humbling experience to just get knocked down uh, by this kid who was basically standing still. And uh, I remember getting up and just seeing the look in this kid's eyes and going like, that's another level that I haven't even touched yet. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the troublesome news about this is that even at 12 and 13, they're taking steroids now. So this kid's on what Anibal and Diostanine and blah, blah, blah. What, what was this kid on or this just, kid. just Wheaties? I don't know what this kid was on. He was on, uh, he was watching his, his X-Men in that morning or something like that, getting hyped like we all used to. So <laughs> it was pretty scary, but yeah, we, we ended up finishing and it was like, that's all I could think about was cause that was one of the last plays of that game. All I could think about was getting knocked on my butt and just getting pissed more and more like that. That kid weighed me, measured me, found me wanting, you know? 
Um, so I, I started to really work out before freshman year and I was not big. I walked in freshman year for football. I was five, four, one fifteen. as you know, uh, there was no size there, but I walked in and first day of practice for freshman football, I had a, my white t-shirt on underneath and we were supposed to write our names on it. And I was a big Pulp Fiction fan at the time. So I wrote BMF on mine and, uh, <laughs> and my coach walks in and he's like, who are you? And I said, I'm Limon and I'm your starting running back. And he goes, I know what that means on your shirt. I was like, <laughs> okay. And he goes, I like it. And so we're like, cool. You know, and we went through and I was not an impressive kid to look at, you know, uh, being tiny and all that stuff. And so kind of forgot about me throughout the whole process. And so we get ready and then we get pads on and he sets up the offense and he puts this other kid at running back and I'm just on the scout defense. So I, uh, you know, get furious about it, decide, all right, I don't care if this is my teammate or not. I'm going to make this kid hurt for taking my spot. And first play, I just smash him, just absolutely crush the kid. And uh, my coach looks at me and he's like, I guess you are a BMF. <laughs> and, I, you know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go and the next week I get to uh, start taking those snaps at, at first string offense and realize I hate getting hit. I like to do the hit. You know, this is kind of crappy to just get hit all the time. I like it better when I land on top. So I decided that uh, I, I was happy with running back, but I really wanted to explore defense more. And I was too small for linebacker at that point. So I decided to try corner. And uh, it, I could not cover anybody. I was not out there because I could cover. I was out there because I could run stop. And, you know, even freshman year, there's not a lot of people throwing it all over the place. Uh, he, he sent me out there and said, all I care about is that anytime this ball comes this direction, that you put a stop to it, period, the end. And I said, coach, if there's one thing I can do for you, it's that. And I said, but I'm also going to take out any lineman he sends at me. I'm not worried about the ball. I'm going to make sure that they don't get in the habit of pulling. So he kind of laughs and we get to, to game one freshman year and, they run a sweep and send a lineman at me. And this kid is probably, you know, as a, as a freshman, probably six foot, 250 pounds. And uh, I just put my shoulder pad right in his gut, end up hitting him, keeping the, the running back inside. And, and the, the lineman gets up and he's like, what the hell, man? And I'm just like, you're on the football field. You're on the other team. Whistle hasn't blown. I'm going to hit you. If you cross my face, I'm going to hit you. So, so there, there used to be this show called MacGyver. And in this one episode, MacGyver takes on a high school student in a classroom as an example of leverage. Now, I want you to think about something. There are two people that have given you trouble in this story. A little girl that was quite big for a girl, but still she's a girl, right? Mm -hmm. I'm making a point with this. If, there, if you're an angry woman that I just said, she's still just a girl. I'm making a point with this. Um, so she's probably a little bit shorter than you. The little kid that went through two of your teammates and then knocked you on your butt, he's shorter than you. You're five foot four. You're knocking people out because you're hitting them in their gut. And it's probably, they're probably up high, right? Not down low, getting ready. So they're exhibiting oh, yeah. probably poor form, if anything. And leverage wise, you're dominating because how else could you explain that the two people that are smaller than you hit you and hurt you other than 
it must be a leverage thing or there must be something to that, right? Because even John Lynch, like you said, he was a great safety. He hit like a defensive lineman because of speed and leverage and angles, right? Do you think oh, there's yeah, anything yeah. to that? Oh, absolutely. I think it's one of the, the biggest things that, that was an advantage for me was that one, I was the low man and two, I wasn't afraid to put everything that I had into it. So every single time you were going to go against me, you were going to get the hardest hit I had in me. Um, I wasn't afraid. I wasn't going to shy away. I wasn't going to turn to, to avoid an impact. You were getting all of me, all five, four, one fifteen of me. I, uh, I ended up being pretty fast, um, you know, freshman year. So it, that, that season kind of came and went. I remember uh, freshman year, it wasn't even like the most athletic people that they put at running back. Uh, it was people they knew couldn't be tackled. So we went up against St. Mary's and they had a, a running back that was six, three, like two sixty, And he kept running out at me. And uh, every single time that I hit this kid, uh, whether it was shoulder or anything, everything went white for me always. And uh, it was the first time that I had experienced a concussion was against this kid. And it was one of those things where, you know, you, you don't know what's happening. You're just kind of out there and you're just going through the motions. Was it, multi- was it multiple concussions, George? Do you think you got more than one tackling this guy? Because I noticed you said you saw the white light every time you hit him. I assume you only hit him two or three times during the game, right? You didn't hit him 20 times yeah. or nothing. No, I only hit him a couple of times. Um, I don't know if it was multiple or not. It was just... Uh, it was the one, and, and that was still a time, you know, freshman year was uh, 1999 for me. Uh, so there were, concussions were known, but they weren't really monitored for or anything like that. So uh, when white, I, I just could not keep it together, um, had a pretty gnarly headache and just didn't want to, like, be upright the next day. You know, it was, it was pretty brutal. And I remember thinking, like, I can't let these big guys do this to me. I got to figure something out. I got to get bigger and stronger and faster. Well, thankfully I grew a little, ended up being five, seven for sophomore year. And uh, another situation that, you know, we, we get a whole new coaching staff in uh, between freshman and sophomore year. And so everyone's on a clean slate. And again, first day of pads, uh, they set up a kick return team. I'm on the scout kickoff team. And I just go down and smash him, make him fumble, pick up the ball. And coach is like, all right, you know, <laughs> I like this kid. And uh, <clears throat> it kind of being this way in football, you, you don't get along with your teammates as well as, as you probably should because you're hitting them hard all the time, you know, and they don't appreciate it. Like, it's just practice. And I was by no means a, a practice superstar. You know, I, I, I did. That's not where the bread is butter, you know, but it was my goal to make you pay every single time. If you thought that you should run my way, if you thought you should pass my way, if you thought you should run a route near me, I was going to hit you. And George, we have about a minute before break. At this point, you're in the middle of your high school career. Are you starting to think NFL or are you starting to think I'd like to play at the next level college or what are certain some of the things that you're pondering? And does dating have any effect on, on football? Were, were you tackling girls to go to the prom? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I knew I was small. And I knew that it was going to take something real big to 
be able to play at the next level. I never had NFL aspirations just because of my size. And um, I, you know, I knew college would, would definitely be a possibility. And dating was, was cool. You know, it was, it was kind of funny. Sophomore year, I ended up taking a senior to, to prom because of making varsity. Quit bragging, George. You did not. Did you really? What was her, what was her name? Don't give her last name, but what was her first name? Savannah. Savannah, you made this guy's dreams come true. He's, he's smiling from ear to ear just thinking about it. We're going to take a quick break. George, when we come back, uh, we want you to tell us how this story uh, brings you to the present day. And uh, we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand Internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you ever been interested in technology or the application? Technology is always changing, and there is definitely a place for you in it. Listen for Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. Sharon and her guests teach you the skill set and present resources that help you incorporate and enhance technological know-how in your current career, as well as prepare you for future success. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Welcome back to our last segment of Jesse Jameson and Friends with our friend George, who is basically describing uh, how you became kind of a terminator on the football field, George. I also love how you levied it with the two people that were the smallest people uh, in the story. And the woman I know wasn't small, but she she was smaller probably than most boys were, right? She Was, was she smaller or was she actually kind of thick? Um, 
she could probably still beat me up to this day. So I'm going to say she was smaller and, uh, you know, the per perfectly natural shape to her. She was great. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's uh, now sophomore year and, and I'm, I make varsity for just being super aggressive and hitting hard and, and doing all of that stuff. And, you know, I didn't, didn't play as much as I would have liked to that year. So I just kind of had to keep, keep working out, keep hitting it every single day. Um, junior year is really where I took a, a big jump in size. You know, as uh, I put on like 25 pounds, basically. So I walked into school at 5'7", 175, and just felt like a missile. You know, every time, everywhere I wanted to go, I was captain of the track team, uh, you know, that year, and just <clears throat> ready to go. I remember we had a scrimmage against Maryville, and Maryville at the time had Daryl Lightfoot, who ended up going to ASU. And they had this big tight end that uh, was going to Maryland. And <clears throat> I actually didn't get to finish out the scrimmage because I, for what their coaches said, I was too aggressive. And we didn't want to get these kids hurt when they're, you know, just going to finish out their year and go make the, uh, make the college team. So I remember I hit Daryl Lightfoot. One of the, the things about it was when I became a missile, I didn't care what juke moves you were doing. I was already on you, you know, before you could even make a cut. And so <clears throat> I hit Daryl Lightfoot a couple of times pretty hard. And then uh, the, when I finally got pulled out of the, the game, it was because the tight end actually came across the middle and he was running for the ball. I could have easily intercepted this ball, but I just kept hearing my dad's voice, you know, hit the kid. You watched way too much John Lynch and uh, Ronnie Lott highlights because it sounds to me like you were literally trying to Johnny Lynch people coming across the middle. There's a famous video. Have you seen it where Johnny Lynch, ac John Lynch actually knocks out his uh, brother-in-law? No. Uh, the guy's name was Allred. He was a tight end for the Bears. It's his brother-in-law in real life, and he knocked him out on the football field. So let me ask you a question, George. If I'm playing football with you, I can just kind of tell like, wow, this kid's on like a higher natural testosterone mean this like man level, whereas maybe I'm still half boy level. Right. I can tell when someone's just tougher. Right. Oh, yeah. Were you the were you the type that was actually uh, a bodyguard in high school? Like if I was your friend in high school and somebody was picking on me, were you going to be the one to beat him up or were you actually only aggressive on the field? And off the field, you would never know that you were aggressive at all. Yeah, I was only aggressive on the football field. Off the field, I was kind of, uh, kind of shy and quiet. I'd be, you know, in the classroom, I'd be kind of a class clown, but uh, didn't really have a mean bone in me. Um, you know, there were some times, there were some kids that I, I would like tease and make jokes about, but I thought it was in good fun. Now, looking back as an adult, I'm like, ah, I could have let up on that guy a little bit. So you're a missile, you're a junior, you're on the track team, you're getting experience against future Division I players like Lightfoot, and you're getting to the point where even coaches are saying, whoa, this guy's on a higher level of intensity, you know, let's take him out of the scrimmage because we're not here to get injured. But there comes a point in football where you do hit the wall, where all of a sudden the players are a little bit bigger and badder, and you have to say, hey, you know, the final game I'm going to play is in high school, or if we are lucky enough to go to college. 
Did you get any, were you starting to get any notice from the college uh, scouting uh, coaches or anything like that? Or does that maybe come a little bit more in your senior year if it, if it came at all? Yeah, it's actually pretty interesting is, is you, uh, you don't really hear from them directly. They usually reach out to the coach and the coach kind of shares that at their discretion. So it was something that, that was on my mind, but I wasn't talking about it. I was just going to, you know, let my play talk for me and then hear what my options were. I was pretty committed to going to the Air Force. And so I didn't really, you know, actively pursue anything. I didn't send tapes out or anything like that. I, I wanted to serve my country and, and do all of that. So um, it's, uh, it's junior year and we actually play Mountain Ridge High School. They're all just giant and uh, a lot of a lot of rumors about steroids and a lot of things like that. Uh, just a real big, scary team. And uh, they actually had a guy who's still in the NFL right now, Richie Incognito, um, who's been in trouble all the time. Oh, my God. It's so interesting you say that because he actually got in trouble when he was a member of the Dolphins because he literally bullied one of his offensive lineman teammates. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I, and I the uh, and the offensive lineman. Now, that's the reason it was so shocking to me is because the offensive lineman, I believe, was like six five, three twenty, and it's like you kind of think that when you're that big, you're too big and tough to be bullied. But when you see Richie Incognito, he might be the scariest human being I've ever seen. Uh, was he even scary back then? Yeah, he was. He was a real scary dude, um, and you know he had a reputation for being a hothead even back then. Uh, our game plan was basically just to uh, annoy him so that he doesn't do what the play is designed for. You know, it's uh, so one of our players just kept bother- bothering him over and over again, and he had a, a pretty high voice for a high schooler. And uh, I remember he walked to the line of scrimmage. He was trying to to be tough, and he said. Uh, I'm going to Nebraska. Where are you going? And without missing a beat, our guy goes probably to your mom's house. And even the refs started laughing. Like everyone was just laughing. His teammates were laughing. Uh, they get set. They snap the ball, and he goes right at that kid instead of you know blocking for the play. And um, as much as that strategy worked, and and he was a scary dude, we got beat like fifty-seven to zero or something like that. Um, but he was probably the, the biggest, scariest dude that I ever saw on the field. Uh, you know, I, I hit him a couple of times. He pulled a couple of times and I did what I could. He didn't move, uh, <laughs> which was pretty surprising for me. It wasn't until uh, – I was lucky to stay pretty healthy, um, but it wasn't until Ironwood when uh, they, their running back, their star running back came. He, he ran a sweep right out at meat corner. And as I'm running up to tackle him, I actually trip and hit my head right on his knee. It ended his season and ended mine uh, because I had a severe concussion. And uh, I remember they walked to me on the sidelines. Well, first of all, they let me play for like two more quarters before realizing what was happening. I think they threw for 300 yards just on me. Um, But uh, my coach walks over and calls the trainer and he says, like, apple, cranberry, orange, which what did I just say? And I had no idea. I could not repeat it. Couldn't do anything. So went to the hospital and, and uh, they checked it out and they're like, yeah, he's got a concussion. Um, it was, it was pretty rough. And then senior year, you know, we were just a kind of a below average team, uh, really underachieving team. And 
uh, didn't get a lot of chances to, to really bully people. I still was just known for hitting and, and doing all of that, but I started to have real concussion issues. And actually a few years after high school, uh, I, I do have uh, encephalopathy. So I do have some, some brain damage, brain disease from the uh, concussions. So. George, you've dealt with some depression issues, right? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you correlate the two? Because it sounds to me whenever I hear a story about somebody that killed themselves and then you find out that they had CTE afterwards, because I guess they have to be dead for you to confirm it because mm-hmm. you have to open up the brain or what have you. But it looks like all of them, Junior Seau, Andre Waters, Dave Dorson, it looks like they all dealt with severe depression. And I always wonder, is that because you're no longer being cheered by hundreds of fans or is it literally because you, you know, maybe got your head wrung one too many times? What, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's, uh, it's definitely a contributing factor to, to it. You know, it's just there's times where you just don't feel right. Or, uh, you know, you, you get into a mode where you're just slurring or, you know, massive headache and you just can't figure it out. So they said that, that mine was, was pretty minor and I'm, I'm thankful for that, but it's still pretty scary. And it, it was a tough decision to allow my son to play football uh, after that. John Lynch, who you brought up earlier, um, I've actually heard him on an interview say that he never experienced one concussion in all of his football career. And I believe when he was at the University of Stanford, I believe his freshman year, he even played quarterback. Mm -hmm. So he's had chances to not only do the hitting, but get hit. When I played football, I actually was one of those where I'm going to disagree with you. I actually thought tackling hurt my shoulders more than being tackled because when you're being tackled you're usually holding on to the football you're crouching in the fetal position if you're like me you're looking for the sideline or getting down anyway (laughs) but uh but you know i i think some people might disagree with you but that might be why inherently some people are naturally defensive players that are hitters and some people are naturally offensive players Uh, because i've noticed even when it comes to offensive linemen some of them seem kind of more passive than defensive linemen Maybe not in the run game, and maybe the pass game is just naturally, you know, where you're, you know, a little bit more passive looking. Um, when did you decide to hang up the cleats? Because you had an offer to go to the Air Force to be a uh, enlisted man, mm-hmm. or you had an option to go to, I believe you said NAU. Uh, during yeah. the, the commercial break, I, you know, you didn't say it during the show, but. What happened with NAU? Did it make you really rethink twice about going to the Air Force? Because we know football's your love. Or what were you thinking at this point? Um, you know, so NAU, I, I kind of found out through the grapevine that they were interested in me. And I uh, didn't finish my senior year due to injury. And so it was like one of those things where it was also post 9-11. And so, you know, that kind of uh, want to serve the country was higher than just about anything at the time. So um, basically decided, you know, I knew I was going to go to the Air Force. And one of the, the reasons I chose Air Force over the Navy, which both were heavily recruiting me, was because the Air Force recruiter said, don't you like playing football? I said, yeah. I said, don't you like playing basketball? Yeah. I said, how are you going to do that on a sub? And so I said, I'm, I'm sold, you know. Um, actually played football still non-contact uh, for the base team at uh, Shepherd Air Force Base and then at Luke as well when I came out here. So still got the the flag bug, but just knew 
uh, after all those confessions and, and everything like that. It was just not something I could pursue. George, this is really interesting. So you played flag football for a while competitively, because let's face it, you're playing to win. Do you still do things now? Are you still playing flag football now? Or do you still you know, occasionally try to get in on a bowling league team? Do you try to stay active physically when it comes to sports? Yeah, I actually um, was just the quarterback for my, my company sponsors us for intramurals. So we play in like local leagues. I was the quarterback, um, which was a lot of fun. To, to do. I love competing still. Bowling, I, I've done a bowling league before. I've played in a basketball league as an adult. Uh, just anything that I could do to to really kind of challenge myself. The problem with, with flag is that I'm still super aggressive and it's hard to turn it off. Uh, you know, I get on that football field and suddenly I'm I'm back at it and I want to hit you. And I can't. And <laughs> George, I bet you would love poker. I don't know if you've played it at all, but I yeah. had a chance back in 06 and 07 to play in the World Series of Poker, and I actually cashed three times. It's one of those things that I'm really proud of because when you're in these tournaments, <clears throat> it's it's competitive. It doesn't really feel like a gambling game. It feels literally like a sports competition, and um, so I can appreciate that love that you have for the game. Who's, your, um, who's the team that you like to follow now? Are you a Cardinals fan? Yeah, I'm a Cardinals fan. As a Raider fan until we got the Cardinals and then kind of so Cardinals one, Raiders two. Yeah, it's really interesting. The Raiders are in Las Vegas now. And I've seen them play a couple games and to see the LV next to their logo, it just looks a little bizarre. I'm used to seeing like LA or the OAK or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but I actually like the Raiders more now that they're in Vegas because I kind of see Vegas as that second place that I love. And let's be honest, when you go to Vegas and you're outside during the summer, it feels just like Phoenix, doesn't it? It's like 110. Oh, yeah. oh my God, it's so hot out there. <laughs> so what are your goals for the future? And thank you so much for your service. How long did you end up being in the military? I was in just four years, 02 to 06. And, um, you know, just kind of knew it wasn't for me long term and decided to get out at the worst time for financial <laughs> reasons. So not a lot of jobs when I got out hopped around did a lot of stuff, but uh, it was, you know, I'll never trade that time for anything. I still have lifelong friends. From yeah, I think that's awesome. So did any of your friends go on to play in the NFL? You said that there was that one gentleman that ended up playing um, professional football that dated the female cheerleader, right? Yeah, but yeah, Mike, go ahead. Did you, I was just wondering if you had a couple other high school teammates that went on to, you know, maybe play Division One or any type of college football. Yeah, actually. So, so Mike uh, Nixon, he was the quarterback who went pro in baseball. Uh, he was a catcher for the Dodgers. Then after his contract, he came out and, and played linebacker for ASU. Um, uh, our high school kicker, punter, and linebacker became a punter for Northern Illinois University. Um, after he went in the Marines. So uh, that was a pretty cool story to watch him kind of do that. And, uh, other than that, it was I mean, mostly people we played against that, that made it big, you know, uh, had another running back on our high school team that ended up playing at a, I think it was a D3 school in Nebraska. Um, a few years into being in the Air Force, I actually had an offer to go to um, a school in Pennsylvania, University of Pennsylvania, Edinburgh, which is a D3 school, but I could not get out of the, the Air Force commitment. 
So uh, I was happy to stay and, and do that. But you know, that's, that's still fun to know that you uh, had opportunities to at least play the game that you loved for as long as you could. Because like you said, you kind of knew that NFL wasn't really in the cards. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much for coming on. I, I want to extend you a, an invite to come on again in the future because I know you have other stories that you'd like to share. Uh, to the folks at home, if you have a great story that you'd like to share, please email me by clicking the email host button below. And uh, we will see you next week. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Be sure to tune in again next week for another great story. Jesse Jameson and Friends is heard every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Jesse Jameson and Friends is a proud presentation of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. All rights reserved.